In this heartbreaking and deeply moving episode, this mum shares the story of her daughter, Phoebe Hope's courageous battles to survive against the odds. The emotion in telling this story eight years on is testament to the impact that unimaginable events can have on our lives and how important it feels to be able to share a message of hope that even when the unimaginable happens and hope seems lost, life can still be rosy again. Today's guest bravely shares her story, both as a tribute to her daughter's short, brave life, the gift she left, and the desire to break the taboo around talking about loss. Join me as I talk to Kate Dolson. Welcome to the Empower podcast for mums in business. We are women building a business we love while making a home for the ones we love more than anything. I'm your host, Nicola Hewlin. Join me as I talk to seemingly ordinary women just like me and you as they share their extraordinary stories and inspirational advice to bounce back even stronger from challenging times and thrive in business, motherhood and life. So I am really excited to welcome today's guest to the show, Kate Dolson. Hi, Kate. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. Listen, how are you feeling about sharing your bounce back story today? I don't always ask guests this, but you and I have had a a few little chats before before you coming onto the show. And um, I'd love for you to just kind of share how you're feeling about being on the show and sharing your bounce back story. Um, I'm, I am I am quite nervous, um, but I am I am excited as well. Um, I've been on the radio before to uh, and for this for the same sort of reason really to try and share my story with the purpose of helping other people, um, and I just think that's really important. So I'm I'm really sort of happy and honoured to be in the position to be able to do that as well. Oh, well, listen, it's wonderful to to have you on the show. Let's dive straight in, shall we? Let's hand okay. over. What is your story of bouncing back from challenge and adversity? So um, if I just sort of set the scene and just go back a few years ago, um, uh, when I think about what I wanted to do as a career or, you know, I, I never, I never had huge ambitions. It was just always a real passion of mine um, to to be a mom. I just always wanted to have kids of my own. It was, I, I chose a career to work with children initially, and I think I just loved being around children. And um, yeah, so. When I, so I was married when I was 27, 25, sorry. Um, and I had my first son when I was 27. And um, it was, it was really straightforward. Um, getting pregnant with, with my son, with, with Max, it was really easy. And it was, there was, you know, it didn't take months of trying and, and when he was um, two, we decided to 
try for a second child. And um, again, it, it came quite easily, the whole sort of getting pregnant. Um, and I suspected at that time, this was 2000, 2008, I suspected that I was pregnant. I was feeling quite unwell. Um, but when I went to the doctors, um, well, I, I had actually had um, a period which sort of threw me off the scent a little bit. But as sort of days went by, I still felt as if I was pregnant, went to the doctors. I'd also taken a pregnancy test and it came back negative. So some people might think, well, why was she like still pursuing the fact that she might be pregnant when she'd had a period? And But I can't explain the feeling. I just felt like I knew that I was. Anyway, the doctor dismissed it. He said, no, you've had a period. There's no chance. Um, and I let, let it go out of my mind for a little while. And then probably a week later, I started to bleed. And it was sort of mid-cycle. And I, I just knew. I thought, something's not right here. So um, went straight to the hospital. And they sort of said, well, you know, it's it, they took a pregnancy test. It came back positive. Um, they said it was possibly a miscarriage um, and, and I didn't think much more of it but I had to go, had to wait for like four days to have a scan or something like that. Went along for this scan and then they started to investigate the fact that um, it was an ectopic pregnancy. So um, I'd heard of an ectopic pregnancy before but I, but I you know, didn't really know... Um, I think one of my other friends had experienced it before, but it was quite a new sort of thing to me, really. And um, can you explain what it is, just in case there's somebody yeah, know, listening so, in that so, doesn't know what what that is? Sure. So the an ectopic pregnancy is when um, the egg becomes fertilised, um, but it gets stuck in the fallopian tube. So the egg starts to grow in the fallopian tube and and get stuck basically and it can be incredibly dangerous like there are women that die every year of an ectopic pregnancy it's mm. you know it's serious um and so that was a very frightening thought but very thank thankfully really and luckily i suppose um because i was so in tune with my body and i and i could um I really felt strong symptoms and I knew things weren't right. I, I went to get some, you know, got, got seen really quickly. Um, and I was in hospital for a few days under investigation and things like that. And they, they, it, it took a while before they picked up that, well, they had to take me down for surgery and it was through surgery that they discovered that it was an ectopic pregnancy. Um, and I had to have a tube removed. So they, they still, I still had both of my ovaries, but I just had one fallopian tube. Um, now, for, for a person that's like, yes, I'd already got my son and loved him dearly, but I wanted a family. I wanted a big family. And for somebody that really, you know, that, that was my ambition to just have this big family. It was just the most devastating news because instantly I just thought, 
I've not got a tube anymore, so it just halves my chances of, of becoming pregnant again. Um, so that's kind of where one of, I suppose I'm, it, it's, it was the start. I'm trying to set the scene of a bigger bounce back, if you like. So I, I don't want to, um, conscious at the time, but, um, so yeah, I discovered that I, I just got the one tube. I was, from that moment, my mindset was very negative. I just thought, that's it. I'm not going to be, be able to have any more children, even though the doctors were saying it doesn't have your chances. You know, the, the other tube sort of compensates. People go on to have lots of other pregnancies. But, but I just, I, it consumed me that I was not going to be able to conceive and have another child. And it took three years um, before I actually managed to get pregnant again. Um, the whole just, it, that, that in itself was a real trauma. Um, I, I could probably talk loads about, you know, um, those feelings of when, when you do feel as if you're infertile and, and just how, it, how you feel so crushed every month. But... I want to sort of push forward to, to what happened next really. So yeah, so three years later, found out I was pregnant again, just absolutely over the moon, couldn't believe it. I was very anxious for the first 12 weeks. Um, I just, you know, I was really worried that this pregnancy wasn't going to um, go the full the full way especially considering how long it'd taken me to sort of conceive again um and everything was going really smoothly had my 12 week scan perfect you know nothing nothing wrong at all and then i got to my 20 week scan and i'd started to relax a bit more at this point i'd started to feel like you know that i could feel the baby kicking and I felt really positive about it all. Um, went along to my 20 week scan. Um, and in, yeah, there's just that moment where you sat there and you do start to think, oh, I hope everything's okay. Um, and then she stopped the um, scan and she said, I've found a problem with the baby. Um, and my heart is racing right now because it just takes me straight back there. It was just, those words were just incredibly hard. Um, she said, I need to go and find somebody else and bring them in and just double check. And I think I must have screamed that room down. I just, I was inconsolable and I just kept thinking, she's got it wrong she's got it wrong this this can't be happening like there's absolutely no way this can be happening she came back in she scanned me again um and they confirmed that there was a problem with with my baby um and she'd got a congenital diaphragmatic hernia um which i'd never heard of before um they said it was very very rare and at that point, there was very, very little that they could tell me. Um, all they could really say was that 
she got a 50% chance of surviving uh, the pregnancy and there was an operation that could be done um, but that was all I knew. Um, they took me in to see another consultant and they explained what it was so just for the purpose you know of everybody else so basically when they look on the scan um, they can see the line of the diaphragm and then the heart sits above the diaphragm and then you've got the bowels and the kidneys and everything below it so but with 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 my with my daughter she'd got a hole in her diaphragm so her organs her bowel and her stomach had gone up through the hole and it was um in a chest so it was pushing her heart to one side everything was growing in in the chest um so they the consultant explained this and they said there is an operation that can be done um but it's it's very kind of you know we just don't know it's 50 50. so i left the hospital that day just not not knowing how i was going to move forward i i was given an appointment um at the women's hospital in birmingham in a specialist unit and but i was i was told like, i had to there was it was about four days of complete agony and researching not knowing any more than the name of this condition um there was a support group i could talk to um but when you looked on the support group and you looked online oh all as you saw were photographs of babies just intubated like full of tubes and then there was the other side of it where you were getting stories where mums were were losing their babies you know they were only surviving like 24 hours after birth and it was a real complete mix of it, it was 50 50 you, you when when you looked online it was completely 50 50 um so it, it was only really when I went for that appointment at the special unit that they were able to give me more answers. But for those four days, I was just in a complete like land of unknown. I had no idea. Um, and they, they told us a bit more about the condition that it can be just a complete one-off fluke and it's just bad luck. Um, the other side of it was that it can be sort of connected to chromosomes and related to other heart conditions and things like that. But until they went in further with more tests, then they just couldn't like, they, they couldn't predict what was going to happen. Um, and I was also, um, I was also told that some people, decide that they just can't carry on with the pregnancy and they decide to have termination like straight away. Some people decide that, um, you know, they want to find out more before they actually, you know, make that hard, hard decision. And then there's other people that are like, absolutely no way, I'm seeing it to the end. Um, and I was more of one of those people really, I think, 
at this point, I was about 22 weeks pregnant. Um, I could feel her moving. Like there was absolutely no way that I was going to end the, the pregnancy. Um, there was 50% chance that, that things could be okay. So I was just going to put all my hope into, into that. And yeah, so, oh, um, it's hard to condense it. We had, I had to have um, an amnio um, where they had to put the needle and bring out some of the amnio fluid to, to find out if it was linked to chromosomes. It turned out that it wasn't. Um, other than this, this problem, she was completely healthy. Her heart was absolutely fine. Yes, it had been pushed to one side, but they'd reassured me that once everything got pulled back down, into the right place her heart would just go back into place so every i had um i had to have an mri scan so they could kind of like measure her lungs and there were lots of different tests that they put me through lots of scans um and every time we were given more and more of a, a better outlook um to the point that they sort of said towards towards the end of my pregnancy, there's 70% chance that she's going to make it. Um, but we always knew that from the day she was born, because the, the problem is with, with CDH is that their lungs, because they've got all these um, organs in their chest, their lungs don't have the room to, to develop. Some babies are born with it uh, some some babies the hernia happens a lot later on in the pregnancy um, and they tend to have a better survival rate because if it happens because you know um yeah th there's people that i met that they don't know what stage but at the 20 week scan everything was fine but then when the child was born they were having breathing difficulties so if the hernia happened a lot later then it, it would have given those lungs that little bit more chance to develop but with with my daughter um it happened really early on don't think it happened at 12 weeks well possibly not I, I don't know but her lungs didn't so they so they did all these tests to see what sort of lung uh, the, the size of her lungs and but they but, but i know that it, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been until her very first breath that they really knew what struggle she was facing so I went through my whole pregnancy not knowing if if she was going to be okay or not I just kept hoping and praying that that she would get through it um and then the day came where I was induced her growth had really started to slow through my pregnancy so that was a bit of a concern and um, they decided to induce me because normally they, they wouldn't, they just let you go completely naturally. They felt it was the best thing for the baby. And she was born, she was absolutely perfect. Um, we named her Phoebe, Phoebe Hope. Um, and she was just, she was just perfect. And it was hard to, to sort of, um, understand that she was so broken inside um i didn't get to hold her she was taken away straight away and put on 
putting in an incubator, all these tubes. Um, she was completely sedated. And I, I think it was probably about 12 hours before I could go and visit her. Um, and they always told us that the, the first 48 hours were the most crucial. Um, that it was kind of like the honeymoon period that that they still kind of um, got a lot of the oxygen from the mom so so their breathing it doesn't really deteriorate until sort of 48 hours and uh, so yeah I was in hospital in in my own room with you know on a ward but in a separate room but you could hear all these newborn babies crying and Oh, it's just, just awful. Um, so we spent about 48 hours going through things quite, quite um, steadily. And then unfortunately at 48 hours, she did start to deteriorate. Um, we, I went down to visit her. Um, it, it was, it was a very just, it was a very rapid, very quick change. For things were going quite swimmingly, and then I remember feeling quite confident to go and express some breast milk to try and, you know, I was I was feeling like I could get up and about and and do that, uh, and I was expressing at the time. And then um, I remember my husband coming to fetch me, and he said, "You need to come quick." We went to the room, curtains got pulled around her, um, all the beepers were going off, everything was just chaotic and she went into a cardiac arrest. Um, and um, at that point, we were given a bit of a, an ultimatum. Um, we'd, we'd come to a crossroads uh, where they, they said that, there was something more that they could do, but it was that it came with a risk. Um, so we, at that point, we we were there. She was she was at risk of, of dying. Um, she was being resuscitated. We we were like, yes, of course, like do everything that you possibly can to to save her. Um, so they gave us the option to go to Leicester Hospital. Um, to have ECMO um, and I'd have to let you know what what it stands for because I can't actually remember but it's a machine that pumps the blood around the body so she had um, she was blue lighted all the way to Leicester I think it was touch and go all the way to the hospital we we were we went at a separate time in, in our own car because they needed more people in the ambulance to, to be hands-on with Phoebe. And um, so she had this little operation where she had a tube connected to her neck. So the blood was, was pumped around this machine and it, it gave her heart and lungs a complete rest. So we went to bed that night. We, we spent... Um, we, we slept at the hospital. My son was at, was at home with my parents. And um, we, we didn't know that that day they'd said, you know, she might not, she might not pull through. 
we tried to get some sleep and then the next morning again we were brought together by some consultants and they said it's a miracle she's she's responded really well to the treatment she's you know doing as we'd expect and again sort of just sort of um skipping along a little bit for the next 10 days um we we spent time in the hospital with her where we could help care for her a bit more um we were able to sort of bathe her and um she she looked absolutely perfect like you wouldn't you wouldn't know you wouldn't have known that she was a, a poorly child apart from all the tubes and things like she had a really good color and um there were moments where they reduced the sedation and i i actually missed the time that she opened her eyes i was with her for so many hours i went and took a break and when i came back they'd left a photograph on a bed with her eyes open and i was just like oh my God, i couldn't believe i'd missed it but that was just so lovely to see um and then she um they gave her her operation they pulled everything back down into the right place her heart was fine she got a very small lung um but she was she was doing okay then it was quite a difficult step to try and get her off, off on off the um this one particular ventilator onto another i didn't realize that there are so many different ventilators but they go through all these different stages to sort of like um decrease the oxygen so it took a really long time for her to be able to come off this one she'd come off it she'd go back on it she'd come off it it was such a roller coaster then we were pulled into this room again this dreaded awful room that i just hated entering and we were told um one of the risks which we knew about with with ecmo is that they have to use heparin to thin the blood in, in order for it to go around these these tubes and we knew that there was a chance that that she could have a bleed on the brain um and we were given the news that that's what had happened she'd got brain damage and sorry okay. um it was just another it was just another hurtful um so at that point i it was, I just didn't know, as mom, like, I didn't, and I know there was a lot of controversy, actually, around my opinion on this, um, and each to their own, again, like, some people might have decided not to carry on with the pregnancy, um, but I wanted her to have a quality of life, I was just, you know, I was so concerned that I would have to make, first of all, the, the devastating decision of taking her off the life support. And that, that was my worst, worst nightmare. And then there was this fear of, of what, what, what have I done? Like I've made this decision to, to, to keep her alive, if you like, um, but she may not have any quality of life. And that was, that was really quite difficult for me. Um, Anyway, she uh, she 
they they told us that she got this brain damage and then they had to send off um they we, we were then sort of um communicating with the birmingham children's hospital with brain surgeons to see how far the brain damage had had gone she'd got hydrocephalus so she got water on on her brain and then we were took back in this room again and they said it's good news and i was like okay um they said it, it's it's not affected that the part of the brain that it's affected is um her like a coordination and her sight so it's very possible that she'll um you know she'll have visual impairment and um not so much they, they felt she, she'd be able to walk and she'd be able to talk but but they said more like coordination with tying laces and that kind of thing like riding a bike so i was like oh i can handle that you know that that's all right that's that's fine so then you know i accepted that and i started to get myself together again and thinking okay you know this is all right then we were transferred to birmingham children's hospital um and she was moved on to another ventilator everything was going quite smoothly again and and like i mentioned before like with children like it, they can just change so rapidly it's so difficult to predict and um yeah so we we were at the birmingham children's hospital they said that she was again at this little bit of a crossroads um and that she needed to have brain surgery in order to um to have that that quality of life and also um she'd got like a lot of mucus on her chest and they were they were struggling to get her oxygen up it was very up and down but she'd also been moved from leicester to birmingham so there was lots to sort of consider um yeah and then we decided for for her to have the brain surgery um we i had a, con, a phone call from the consultant the night before and um he went through the procedure told me what was going to happen we had to get to the hospital for seven o'clock in the morning so that we could sign all the papers and we knew that she was going to be the first to go down to surgery so um so yes yeah, she we, we we said goodbye she went down to surgery we were in the waiting room and it was just going on and on and on like we were with other parents who were you know in the same situation all all waiting on sort of uh results and life-changing news i suppose and yeah we we were told that she died sorry and apologize it's been a while since i've talked about it so mm. we're all holding you right now giving you a big virtual hug i can see you our audience can't so um she just had a massive bleed on the brain and she died on the operating table It was just, yeah. 
I say from me and behalf of everybody who's tuning in, you know, we're so sorry for your loss and thank you for sharing your story and Phoebe, Phoebe Hope. What a beautiful name. And I know, I mean, I've, I've just been listening to your story for the first time. It's the first time I've heard it. And I've just been on that roller coaster with you. I cannot begin to imagine that journey and that chapter. And I know it was eight years ago. It was eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, I think this just shows that that when you take yourself back to that place, it just doesn't go away. Yeah. And I know from the conversation we had before, it felt really important for you to share Phoebe's story and to share it with others. And I think what you've just said there is really significant that it doesn't go away. And I, you know, the, the emotions and, and she, your daughter and, and that chapter in your life is part of your life where it doesn't go away. And I remember you saying to me before you came on the show to share your story that about the reactions of the people around you and that as the years have gone on, um, mm-hmm. there was less mention of Phoebe's name or about what happened. And that actually became harder for you as things went on. And so share, share how that, share the importance of what that's meant for you today to talk about Phoebe and to share the story as obviously as emotional as it's been and it takes great courage to come on and 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 share that story because we relive it to a certain degree when we're when we're we're sharing it and yes yeah but what is that what has that meant for you today um in in terms of sharing Phoebe's story I think um I think Go go downstairs for me, sweetheart. That's a good girl. Um, I think I feel like there's a real stigma around child loss. Um, I think it's just one of those subjects that people, well, you never want to think about it. It's, it is like the unthinkable. You never want to. Um, so people just don't don't really want to talk about it. Um, and I think when whenever so so I was after she died I was still having to take my son to school and carry on as normal as as possible and um and people would they just didn't know what to say and quite often people would also say thing really like they'd say the wrong thing as well quite often um I think all as I ever really wanted was was for people to acknowledge her and and just to acknowledge that she she existed that she she was she's part of our lives and she always will be. Um, yes, people. I mean, people would say to me, "Oh, she just wasn't meant to be." Well, she perhaps wasn't meant to be here with us as a family, but she was so meant to be. Like she's completely changed my life and um i am proud of of what she went through how she fought so hard to be with us 
Um, and and I'm very, you know, she took that hard decision out of my hands in the end. Like I didn't have to decide to take her off life support. It was like she said, Mom, you know, I've been through enough now. I'm respecting your wishes. You, you know, it was, I know you want me to have a, a full quality of life. And yeah, um, but people just, I think saying something is better than nothing. Even just to let someone know that you're thinking of them. But it, it, it's, I think it would be, good to maybe in the future at some point talk about those um you know talk about it how hard it is and i think death in itself is quite a taboo subject isn't it i think people are quite afraid it's, it's that unknown but people used to say to me oh well i didn't want to say anything because i thought i'd upset you and um i mean if you met me in the street today and I don't know, somebody asked me about Phoebe and what I went through. It's not every day that I get upset and I cry. It's only because I'm reliving those really raw, raw emotions that it, it's kind of brought that emotion to the surface. Um, but yeah, just, I hope that answers. Absolutely, Great. absolutely. And I think it is important to for, for everybody to have that space to talk about the things that are important and especially when it's part of that hello i can see i can see Hi. i can see a little person hello. <laughs> um i think it is really important to to have that space just like you've come on and shared your story and and obviously there is a uh, it's it's unimaginable loss um i know there will be people tuning in who have had the personal experience or known somebody i haven't um, personally and i can't begin to imagine and it would be so easy to sort of say oh you know that's that's going to be a very emotional difficult story to share and let's not go there and you know we can all i i could feel your emotion I, I can see you and I'm sure our audience too uh, can can do too it's the gifts that come from mm. um, being able to share and as you said and and um, dedicating this episode and and um, to to Phoebe um, and hopefully Phoebe hope and hopefully you know the the positives that that can bring from people tuning in and, and what they'll take away from the story. What do you hope that people will take away from hearing your story today? What's your hope for, for people listening in? Um, I think, I think, well, I suppose I hope that people will, maybe if they know somebody that's gone through a similar thing or, you know, they might not have, yet experienced you know a friend or a relative going through it but unfortunately it does happen and it happens a lot more often than we'd like to think so I guess just just to kind of have a bit more of an open mind about how 
have have an open mind just just let that person know that that you're thinking about them that just because their child isn't um visible with them as a family it doesn't mean that she she doesn't exist mm. you know she will she is I think about Phoebe like every single day of my life. There's not a day goes by where I, where I don't think about her. And in the beginning as well, there's a lot of triggers where a baby of a certain age, you might think, oh, that's what she'd be doing now. Or it, it never, never, it, it just doesn't ever go away. Um, and I just, I don't know. I think maybe for people just be, open-minded that that it, it does it does happen I, I you know i don't want to say to people don't say this or don't say that because i don't want people to be fearful of saying anything at all because i think that's partly the problem um but but just be be respectful be respectful and not afraid to to just to reach out and and ask that person if if they're okay really are mm. it's really hard it is a hard one isn't it and you know what i'm hearing is sometimes the fear of saying the wrong thing and ending up saying nothing yeah is not helpful to the person that's uh, right you know and it kind of shuts down being able for you to be able to talk about your daughter that you think about every day um, exactly which is why it was so wonderful to talk about Phoebe today in this episode, a tribute to your daughter. And yeah, you've got little people with you in the room and that wasn't Max, was it? No. So tell us where, you know, your ambition of having your family, you had Max, you had Phoebe and you, you, your family story has continued and evolved tell us tell us what family life looks like for you today eight years um so we i i i just had those heavy empty arms i was so desperate to to be a mom again and i we 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 started trying pretty quick after phoebe died well within within reason i think i think maybe after three months or so um you know, we we just I, I just was so desperate. I, I I never got to hold Phoebe and, until after she died. And yeah, I became pregnant again. And there there's actually thirteen months between Phoebe and Rosie. Um so I was really lucky. I think she was um <laughs> definitely willing for me to have a another brother or sister for her and I, I very thankfully got pregnant um very quickly um and Rosie is just she's just brought so much sunshine to my life um and, we, and we've got some rosy sunshine in the room with you as we're recording yes yeah, which feels really appropriate. and how old is Rosie now so Rosie's seven now Aww. um yeah and we we've always talked about phoebe rosie knows that she what she knows you know that she's got a sister that lives in heaven 
we we celebrate her birthday every year privately but we we always have a cake for her and we do something as a family and we every christmas we always buy a bauble to hang on the tree which has got phoebe's name on and again i think that's that that idea that i just you know i love i chose that name it meant really meant something to me and i like to be able to see it just in i, I just love to be able to say her name out loud and um yeah so so we've got pictures of her on the wall and she rosie just accepts that she she has a sister she's part of our family i love that that you, um, you love to say phoebe's so, name yeah. and see her name and i'm thinking when we share Phoebe's story it would be how would you feel about we we make sure her name is in the title of the episode and the oh, show notes yeah that would be lovely that would be lovely I will run that by you so that we can make sure that her name is Frere's ever visible in the show notes as well and 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 a tribute mm. we're coming towards the end of our time together today um yeah it flies <laughs> so quickly and you know, as you said, several points in, in sharing your story, it's so hard to condense um, it is. Uh, such a significant um, life story like that into a short time. You've done an amazing job. And I, I just want to thank you again for coming on and, you know, sharing so courageously and vulnerably and honestly and, you know, with your intent of helping other people be aware and breaking those taboos around loss and, you know, one of the, the, the unimaginable uh, types of losses for, for any parent. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart. And maybe we can wrap up on your bounce back invitation yeah. to those that are listening. So if what, what question would you like to leave our audience to reflect on or um, a bounce back challenge that you'd like to offer them as part of their bounce back journey? Okay. Um, well, thank you, first of all, for having me on the show. It really has been an honour. I, I think part of what... I, I think to sort of reflect on the whole idea of bouncing back, it's important to say that when you do go through a tough time, uh, as I did, you know, it was an absolute tragedy in my life. There is always light at the end of the tunnel and you do get through it. You don't think that you're going to at the time. You've, you know, I had so many dark days. I think the fact that I had my son, that just kept me, that just got me out of bed every day, to be honest. Um, I think it's important when I reflect on the pregnancy that you always have that hope and remain positive because you, you have to hang on to that. I could have just completely given up on, on the whole journey at the very early stages, but I just, I just kept clinging on to the hope that, that, there was, that she, we, would, we would bring her home. So it was the hope that, that got me through it. And I think as well, I hope this kind of, it's not really a question, it's just more about sort of people being able to reflect on um, 
the fact that we worry about things all the time. Um, I was a massive worrier before, before I had, well, Phoebe really. Um, I, I just, I always worried about what might happen. And when, when I found out that Phoebe was, there was only 50% chance of her surviving, um, it, it kind of opened my eyes a little bit to the fact that you, you don't, you never know what's going to happen. Like my life, that moment when I had that scan and that moment when, when I was told by the consultant that, that she died, like my life just completely changed within, within a flash. And I think we spend so much time worrying about what will happen in our future and it's so much it's so much time wasted because we can't actually control it and i think just to know that when something like that does happen just know that you can handle it that whatever happens you you do find the strength to come through it even though you don't think you're going to you just do and it, it's it's made me more appreciative it's made me just realize how precious life is and that it, it was really a bit of a light bulb moment for me that what's the point in worrying about little things that that really don't matter because they a they're not important and even if you worry that worry about them it's it's not going to change so i think i'd perhaps just yeah put that to the the audience and and just just think about be grateful for for what you have always keep hope and there's always someone out there that's that's worse off i think as well someone's always battling something incredibly moving yeah. such wonderful words of wisdom kate thank you so much for sharing your story for all that you've shared and those you know thoughts for us to all go away and reflect on great words of wisdom thank you so much for being thank part you. of today's show thank you so it just remains for me to say on behalf of kate and myself to those tuning in thank you for listening in to today's amazing episode and we will catch you on the next one bye for now Thank you for listening to the Empower podcast for mums in business. And thanks goes to our podcast series sponsors, Bounce Life, insurance to protect you, your business and your family. To get your free startup and business growth kickstart guide and to find out about our Empower community, go to empower.global.